2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. That, that uh, song, Abba Father, I, I remember one of the trips I was in Israel, I was leading a group in, in Gedi, where David hid from Saul, a beautiful place. And I remember walking up the pathway, and there was a little Jewish boy with his daddy and his daddy's friend, and they were talking. And that little Jewish boy turned around and saw me coming with this group behind me, and you could see the fear in his face. And he said, Abba, Abba, Abba. He's talking to his daddy. And his dad just kind of turned around and took him by the hand, and he was relieved. And looking at some of us, I can understand that. But... Uh, but uh, that was just a really a special time. So that, that song just kind of reminded me of that. And uh, it's good. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work for men that way. For an example, and, and, and this is more of a riddle, I guess. But if a man is alone in the middle of the desert by himself and he speaks... There's no woman around to hear him. Is he still wrong? <laughs> My wife said yes real loud at the house the other day. So I, you know, I just kind of wondered about that. And I saw a bunch of ladies out there doing that number there. Okay, so, all right. Okay, I was just making sure he's alive. I was getting ready to have somebody take pulses out there. All right, now we're ready. Okay, Second Timothy chapter 3 and verses 1 through 5. This know also, in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Now shall we pray. Father, help us to make it clear, Lord, and I can only do so much, so I pray that Holy Spirit would make it clear to each person. Father, I pray that it would be the Spirit of God that holds the attention and the Spirit of God that takes the message home to the heart today, whether it's in this auditorium or at home or wherever it may be. I just pray for your Holy Ghost to work in our midst. And we'd ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Many times we hear about signs of the times and, and uh, those sermons being preached. And what it turns out to be is that preachers are looking at things that will happen in the tribulation hour. Now, the tribulation is a, something that happens on this earth, seven years of the worst tribulation the earth has ever known. That starts, though, after all those who are in Christ are raptured up to be with the Lord. The Bible says we'll be caught up. Uh, to be with the Lord. And, and so we'll be there. It'll be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And so when that happens, the rapture, sometime after that rapture, a world leader uh, sets a covenant with Israel. That is a uh, covenant with Israel is for seven years. And in the middle of that covenant, he breaks it. 
But a lot of the things during that tribulation hour is often what preachers are talking about when they say the Lord is coming soon. For an example, the Russian coalition of nations is listed in Ezekiel. And so they look at Ezekiel 38 and say, okay, we see those nations coming together. We talk about uh, the, the seven heads and the ten-horned beast. And they talk about the European Union. The only thing is, now it has about 27 heads there, okay? And so now with it breaking up, people wonder, well, what is this? And then the kings of the east are not quite as uh, together as what it seems they are in the scriptures during the tribulation period. So again, those are things that happen in the tribulation that can form very quickly. And perhaps we do see some evidences of things today. But in our text, we've got to understand that our text is talking about the uh, time before Christ's return, the return of Christ to this earth, before the tribulation, before the rapture, uh, before the saved are raptured. Why? Because there are things that tell you and me we need to be ready. And I think we find it right here in, in the Word of God. Now understand, I believe that the return of Christ has always been imminent. By that I mean that Christ could have come back at any time. In the New Testament, you see them doing that in the, the church. Uh, some of the writings throughout, you see that they were looking for Christ to come at any time. However, where it's always been imminent, I have the tendency to believe that now it's immediate. By that I mean, even though he could have come at any time, I think it's going to be very, very soon. I honestly believe that. Now, I will say this. My dad believed that. And I know men, other men that have gone to be with the Lord before them that believed that. But I believe that we see some things in the Word of God that tell us that that time is very, very soon. And yet, you say, what if it isn't? Well, that means I'm going to die, and then I'm going to go be with the Lord. And then I get to go up there first before a lot of you. For the dead in Christ shall rise first, okay? That's what the Bible says. So that's a blessing. But I'll be with the Lord immediately. The day this spirit leaves his body, it's going to be with the Lord. That's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. But the only reason I believe the Lord hasn't come back yet is that God is long-suffering. We're doing a whosoever will campaign, and that ought to tell us that, hey, whosoever will may come, but we better get busy because he may come and call us up there, and then it'll be too late for so many. Now, I want us to consider three present-day evidences that line up with the scripture of Christ's soon return to rapture us. I want you to be sure to distinguish between the last days of the church age in which you and I live and the last days of the tribulation period. Now here in our text, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, here we have a book that is addressed, the book of 2 Timothy, to a pastor, a pastor of a local church. He's addressing Various things about the church, about its ministry, about its structure, and so forth in these two books, First and Second Timothy. So here we're looking in Second Timothy chapter 3, after he's been talking about the ministry of the church and all these other things, he says, okay, now, in the last days, perilous times shall come. He's talking about the last days of the church age. Why? 
Because if it's the last days of the rapture, we're not here. So it's the last days of the church age, what you and I need to be looking for. Now, he goes on from verse 1 and gives us about five, uh, uh, more than that, verse, through verse 5, bullet points, you might say, of signs, of things. Things that are going on in the local church. Now, we're not talking about the world here. We're talking about the local church. So perilous times will come. The word perilous has the idea of hard, dangerous, difficult. And you'll hear next week when we do the second half of this message, some things that are going on in Christianity, uh, in the world against Christianity. For an example, one of the things that I'll share with you next week, 80% of the persecution today worldwide through studies both here in this country and uh, in other countries, for an example, the UK, they've found that 80% of the persecution is against Christians. It is believed that more Christians have died in, in, in uh, uh, this last hundred years than has died in the previous uh, 19 to 2,000 years. So again, we are in a period that uh, is seeing dangerous times about us besides of all the other things of, of terror, Of, of the things that are going on in homes. We could go on about all of those things, but that we are living in dangerous, trying times. Uh, and so we find here, beginning in verse 2, if you look there in your text, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. you got to understand, for a church to be strong in any age, The men within the church, the ladies within the church, the people of the church must be spiritually right and strong, separated from this world. We've got to have something that they should want and should desire of us. If the enemy can discover that we have other desires above the Lord God, that we have other desires that would take us away from obeying God, then the enemy is going to make sure that he brings those desires to our life. That enemy, by the way, is the devil. So we're told perilous times will come. It's going to happen. And then he says they're going to be lovers of their own selves. How is that? Well, they're going to buy, they're going to purchase. Everything is about self. Oh, there's the latest gun. I've got to have that. Oh, there's the latest car. I've got to have that. Oh, we've got to have this style of clothing. We've got to have that. We've got to have this. Oh, we've got to go to this place. We've got to go to that place. And, And we've got to be able to say we have these things. Men are doing for their own pleasure. Lovers of self. They buy, they purchase, they live for self. Regardless of their fellow man. Kind of like the church in Haggai, the book of Haggai, that were building their own places and doing everything, but they weren't doing nothing to rebuild the temple. God said, okay, your, your crops aren't producing. You're putting your money in bags with holes. I'm not coming through for you because you won't honor God's house. And so that was back in the book of Haggai that, that we see God moving there. But boy, we've got so many things going on today. I mean, Botox, plastic surgery, and so forth. Look, get the Botox, get the plastic surgery. If you've got a 70-year-old body, you're still going to be 70 years old after all that's over with. 
Okay. And then people are going to expect you to work harder because you look younger. <laughs> Wise people don't get the Botox and the stuff to look good because they, 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 they'll say, oh, that poor old man, we've got to do that for him, okay? So uh, it works out. It works out. It works out great. Now, but men are lovers of themselves. And that's the things they care for. And, 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 and the next thing we're told, they are covetous. The word covetous means fond of money. Fond of money. Their life is wrapped up in it. They'll embezzle. They'll do what they can to get their hands on your money. They'll live for the lust of things. And so this is the person that will, once they got their money in your pocket, they're gone. They're the person that will promise you things, you pay them, and they're gone. This is the uh, lady that leaves her family because she's a gold digger, and she's gone. And so you can go on down the line of the things that, that men are covetous for. They've got to have it better. Well, they've got this, I've got to have that. Boasters. Boaster speaks of a pretender. Somebody who pretends. They want you to think, man, that guy's with it. Boy, that guy's got it. You have the emerging church. You have the contemporary church. You have Calvinism. And on we could go. An attitude of, that permeates this last day of saying, we know how it's to be done. We know what's to do. And that's fine, except when it goes against the word of God. And in each of those cases, it goes against the word of God. And so what you have to do is say, my strength, my help, my power is in the Lord. So again, we've got to watch out that we don't get to the point where uh, it's all about ourselves instead of about God and his work. Uh, boasters, again, is a thing where they are all about themselves. And then we move on from that. Because this is an attitude. Keep this in mind. These are attitudes within the local church of the last days. He's not talking about what's going on on the out, outside. He's talking about within local churches across the world. Not just Central Baptist. Across the world. This is an attitude that's going on. And so, they are living in a way about themselves that promotes themselves. They're more into what can I do for me? Well, they that live godly in Christ Jesus, verse 12 of this same chapter says, shall suffer persecution. So that goes against the grain of all these things that we've mentioned so far. And so what becomes important to a local church? Preaching the word, witnessing, winning souls, getting busy, building up those routes. Getting missionaries around. Now, what becomes important is, hey, let's go to this conference. Hey, it, let, let, let's, let's have this kind of music. Hey, read these books. Hey, if we do this, then we're going to be, boy, we, we're going to be great because we are just, we've just outsmarted everybody. We, we, we've done so well. And then we get to just stretching out more and more and more. A lot of churches now saying, Hey, we're going to have a day where all of us get together and we're going to go out and pick up trash in the community. There's nothing wrong with that. 
There's nothing wrong with having bags and going around picking up papers and putting them in those garbage bags and all that and cleaning up a, a, a roadside or a community or something of that nature. What's wrong is they go out there dressed like they're going to a strip joint and then they're, while they're there, they're not ever giving out a track. They're not witnessing to a lost soul. But they're patting themselves, each other on the back, saying, boy, wasn't this great? Let's go now and get a pizza and a beer. That is not what God recognizes as good. And we need to understand that. Okay, again, these are just things that are going on in the local churches the last days. Next, it says blasphemers. These are those slander. That's what the idea of blasphemer is. He is one who slanders. Well, I miss proud there, so let me get proud. Proud is feelings that think they're superior than others are, okay? We're superior to everybody else. We, we are the only ones. Okay, you get that with the Calvinists. You get that with the Church of Christ. You get that with uh, so many others. We are the only ones. No, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And everyone is the only one that goes through him. If you go any other way, then you're not going to do it. Now, blasphemers. These are ones that slander, they reproach, they speak evil of others, they rail against others, they make abusive accusation. And again, it happens within the context of the local church. And what you usually find is that they don't go to the person, they go to others. They talk about it with others. They say things to others but not to the person. We could go to, they could talk about me, they could talk about uh, Brother Josh, Brother Kevin, Brother Randy, and on down the line. could talk about different ones. I mean, look at Brother Kevin. I'd go to him about it, but man, that guy is wicked. Boy, he, he gets angry. Man, you ought to see the temper he's got. Boy, he throws that temper tantrum, and man, he starts swinging his fist. Boy, he goes crazy. Now, most of us would hear people say something about it like that. Well, why didn't you go to him? Oh, because you don't know the temper he has. It's a terrible temper. And you think, Kevin? <laughs> One of the most gentlemen that I know. Now, people have talked about others, and when I've asked them why didn't they go to them, they said, well, you know they've got a temper. I said, no, I didn't know that. But that still doesn't excuse not going to them and going to everybody else. Okay, it's still wrong, it's still sin in God's sight, and just as sinful as whatever they're accusing somebody of. It's still sin. And so, they do these things, and the problem is, it is a hindrance to revival. Next thing is disobedience. Two parents, too many church families have accepted the Spock and modern uh, day theories of discipline. Instead of doing the Bible love discipline. What is Bible love discipline? I'll spank you and you'll love it when I quit. <laughs> you see, the pain of the punishment must be greater than the pleasure of doing wrong. All right, you messed up. Go to your room. So they go in their room. They got all this... this Electrical stuff, they got all, all, all the things, that, the internet, they're watching movies, they got all the kind of things in there, and they're laying down, and they're not outside working. Boy, you really punish them. And so they're disobedient to parents. Growing up in that way, they're, they're not disciplined the Bible way. Unless they're disciplined the Bible way, it's not right now, they're 
country, yes, they're trying to make it a, uh, a law against disciplining them scripturally. What does a Christian have to choose between? Just letting his kids go to hell or teaching them what is right? A Christian better decide they're going to do what's right. Okay, let's go on from there. Unthankful. Unthankful to others, but especially to God. And although the Bible tells us that this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, that we are thankful. And yet, though this is the will of God, believers don't do it. Unholy is the next thing. Again, if you look down there in verses 12 and 13, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Again, keep it in mind, we're looking at the local church. We're talking about people around the world in local churches, and this is the attitude of them. They name the name of Christ, but this is what's going on. As 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, as obedient children... Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all matter of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. You see, people today don't like the idea of naming sin. Uh, They wouldn't like some of the things that I've already said today about sin and worldliness in the church. You know why? Because they don't feel good when you say that. It just, I want to come to church to feel good. Go and get a massage. (laughs) Goodness gracious. You want to feel good? Get right with God. Maybe that'll help you feel good deep down. You want to feel good? Get right with God. And that old dumb preacher up here will next day preach something in your life and then you have to get dealing with that again. You know, but if you keep short accounts, you don't stay down long. A righteous man falling seven times gets up again. How about Romans 12, 1 and 2? Uh, he says there about, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable Service. The idea of the word service comes from a Greek word that has in it worship. Worshiping God with our bodies. A living sacrifice. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get your mind in the word. You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now when you think about this. This is the will of God. This is his word. And he says, you're to be a living sacrifice. They would sacrifice an ox on an altar. When they did that, that was a dead ox. A living ox pulled the plow. Yet Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know what they used to do in that day? They used to uh, have this big ox, and then they'd have a young ox. To learn that, they'd have a double yoke. Now, the big ox was actually doing most of the work, but the little ox learned 
how to do that work walking by the big ox. You know what? The day I got saved, the Holy Ghost came to indwell me. Okay. My yoke is easy because he walks with me. If I obey now, if I start to pull against the yoke, if I start to pull against that, then I'm going to have problems. Walk with God. Walk according to his word. Seek his will every day and do it. That's the way God laid it out for us. So again, you can't be unholy. You know, immodesty reflects the worldly culture above the holy. Be holy in your dress. Be holy in your deportment. Verse 3 says, without natural affection. That's speaking of a binding family love. Uh, Husband, wife, parents for children, children for parents. Those are binding family loves. Not not homosexuality, not adultery. That is not in that, that. This is natural affection is the way God created us to have this kind of a love. For one another. And the problem is, is that these various sexual sins and other sins seem to be coming into the local church of the last days. With all the gossip and everything else that goes on. And there's not the natural love. There's not that love that God gives. The natural love from God. Natural affection for one another. So he goes on to say in that light. Truce breakers. They break promises. They break contracts. They break vows of marriage. I've had people that have signed contracts here. And before they get the contract, it's all written out there about so many things. Church attendance, about our doctrine and everything else. They're, they're here long. They're not here but just a few weeks. They know what we believe, stand for, and so forth. They say, yeah, I believe that. Boy, God wants me to do this. I'm called. This is where I need to be. And then break their contract in the middle of the year. Come up with something that is not scriptural at all or a false accusation. Why? Because they are truce breakers. I hope nobody's done that this year, Brother Randy, or I'm in trouble, huh? Okay. Um, False accusers. Do you realize that's Satan's number one strategy? Revelation 12 says he does that night and day of before God, of all the Christians, all those that are saved, all the saints. He's accusing them night and day. He does that. That is what he does, and that's what he enjoys doing. The Lord said in Matthew five eleven, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake. And by the way, if you live God in Christ Jesus, that will happen. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So when people are coming after you, you're standing for the Lord and they're attacking it and they're saying things. And many times it's within the church. Many times it's people in other churches, but they're people that you know. And they're attacking you. The Bible says rejoice. It happened to the prophets, happened to you, but great is your reward. Do you really believe when God says great, it's great? I mean, he created the heaven and the earth, and after each day he said, and he saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. But here he says, man, it's great. (laughs) What he calls great, compared to what he calls good, must be something. Maybe what we ought to do is send a thank you note to those that do it to us. Incontinent. That's not a medical term here used here, but rather it means without self-control. There's so many areas, but 
evil intent seems to be associated with it. And so, time after time after time, this is what happens. They have that evil intent in their heart. Uh, and so they can't come to the knowledge of the truth. They can't come to the knowledge of the truth. They, they, they want a religion that satisfies their feelings. And as a result, they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're incontinent. They cannot have the power of God. They're fierce. That means savage, out of control, not tame. They attack the brethren. They have an agenda. Not led of the Spirit, led of their agenda, led of their own desires. And so they're fierce. They'll step over anybody they have to do, uh, step over to get what they want. They'll walk on anybody they have to walk on to get what they want. Despisers of those are good is the next one. Holy people that have standards that are separate from the world. All of a sudden they're being called legalists and everything else that they can think of to call them. Verse 4 says traitors. They betray confidences and commitments. Sometimes you get afraid to share a prayer request because there are people that betray confidences. And that shouldn't be among God's people. Heady is headstrong. Has the idea of a person, again, that has decided this is what I'm going to do no matter what. It's not scriptural, but again, they'll step on whoever they have to to get what they want. High-minded. This is puffed up. They think uh, that... They think everything about themselves. They think they're better than anybody. They're puffed up about themselves. You are inconsequential as far as they're concerned. The rest of verse 4 and verse 5 I want to consider together. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. He said in the last days, and Jude, by the way, is listed that way as well. That verse I just read. In the last days, here at the local church, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Jude 4 says, for there are certain men crept in unawares. In other words, they sneak in the church acting like they're one of you. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Anything goes, hey, we've got liberty to do anything we want to today. We're not legalist and denying the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. When people have that attitude, God says, from my book, you're denying me. That's not the Jesus of the Bible is what he's telling you. And so we see that this keeps on going. Uh, we see in Galatians 5.13, for brethren, uh, we have, you have not been called to, uh, excuse me, Brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. See what God says there? You've been called to liberty. And that, that's where they stop. Okay, I can go out and social drink. I can, uh, well, now they can do social drugs and things like that. They can do marijuana because they got liberty. He says, use not liberty to an occasion to the flesh. My flesh wants to do this. Use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh. Hey, if I use Jesus' name, I can rock and roll. Do you use not liberty 
for the flesh. God's way is always the best way because God's way is always holy and it's right, altogether holy and altogether righteous. That is why when they're lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, they're at the beach on Sunday, they're out fishing on Sunday, they're out hunting uh, during hunting season on Sunday instead of being in God's house. Well, you don't know. We only got a short amount of time for hunting season. Great. Go Monday. Go Saturday. What, why, why, why do you got to tell God he must accept an excuse that the world won't accept from you where you work? See, so often the biggest problem is we're liars. We're lying to ourselves. And, and so, again, they have a form of godliness. Oh, they're very religious. They're involved even in various things of a church. Maybe they sing. Maybe they do other things in the local church. But they love the pleasures of the world much more. And so they also have the beer and Bible that some of these churches are doing today in the emerging church. Their church, you go inside, there's strobe lights. It's uh, rocking and rolling and everything else. They wouldn't know a holy Jesus if you slapped them in the face. It denies the power thereof, the power of holiness, the power of a changed life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 1 Corinthians 6.11. Boy, I mean, there's a list of terrible sins, but when they got to the end of the list, he said, he says to them, hey, homosexuality, adultery, thieves, Social drinkers, drunkards, goes through a whole list of things there. And he says, such were some of you. Christ came in and they let Christ change their life. He cleansed them by that precious flowing blood of Christ from Calvary's cross. Now, again, what does he say about all of those things that we just see listed here? From such, turn away. If you're saved, turn away from those things. That's what he tells you to do. Now, you've got to decide, well, God is right or God is wrong. If you won't turn away, then you've just said, God, you're a liar, you're wrong. And that's not a good thing for a Christian to say. But my friend, actions speak a whole lot louder than words. I mean, you can get a guy in a headlock. I love you. I love you. I love you. Okay. Actions don't say what I'm, match my words. Our words must come from God's word and they must govern our life. Now, that can't happen if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior. Everything I just said are things that are going on in the world. You think this world is a mess? The local church is a mess. The local church across this country and around the world's a mess. And judgment begins at the house of God. If you think things in this world says Jesus is coming soon, things going on in the house of the Lord says it's even coming sooner. Are you ready?
Are you ready? Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. We read that God commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he's appointed the day in which he will judge the world by that man whom he hath ordained in that he has raised him from the dead. My friend, Jesus died on the cross for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He was buried and he rose victorious over hell and the grave. He did that for you. He did that for me. But it was the work. He did it all. I can't do any of that to save my soul. He did it all. My part is by faith to receive him into my life as my Lord and Savior. For whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're not sure if you die today that heaven's your home. Why not make sure today? Let's bow our heads, please.